Patrick Hoots from the Carlton Footy Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Dane Zorko here from the Brisbane Lions. Jason Johannesson from the Western Bulldogs. Luke Parker here from the Sydney Swans. It's Roy Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Maxwell and Melbourne Football Club. This is Matt Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Just 10 players left to go in the 50 most relevant. And who's at number 10? Well, for the past few years, he's been one of the most consistent defenders we've had in the game. And after a quiet season, one would argue, he's got a new coach and he's Rory Laird headed back to a triple figure average. That is the big question. I want to discuss about his fantasy relevance in 2020. I've got Rids back. Hello, buddy. Hey, mate. For a second then, I thought you were going to say, and who's number 10? It's Rids. Oh. <laughs> Mate, if you can find yourself in the 50 most relevant AFL fantasy supercoach and dream team players on the field, you've done very well, my friend. Uh, that, <laughs> exactly. that is for sure. He's just the 26 years old, this Adelaide Crow defender. And last year, while a perfectly fine season, many are looking at it not as favorably through some lenses of what he's previously done for us. Yet, we still got a couple of nice scores from him. His best scores across the fantasy formats came against the Saints in the same format of Dream Team and AFL Fantasy. It was a 134. While in Supercoach, that same game, 124. Average 96.9 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team and just 96.8 in a Supercoach. In that format, he's going to set you just over $525,000. AFL Fantasy, 719K and just a very touch over $700,000 in Dream Team. And Rids, it wasn't the best year we've seen from Rory Laird, but from a positional and a possessional perspective, he was still pretty decent for us. He ranked fifth um, in total effective disposal, sixth for total uncontested possessions, 11th for intercepts, 12th for rebound 50s, and 18th for total disposals. And while it wasn't as strong as what we've seen from previous seasons, if you got the timing right with Rory Laird, you would have been pretty happy with what he gave you in 2019. Look, I mean, we may say that it was a down year, but really, when you average 96, 97 as a defender, yeah. I mean, he's a premium all day, isn't he? Yeah, no, he certainly is. And when we had guys last year that were really unpredictable, and yes, while their ceilings were high, and we want to talk about ceilings shortly, Rory Laird was a real picture of consistency for us last year. In Dream Team and Fantasy, he had eight tons. And not as many big ones, though. Just the one over 120. However, in addition to those 800s, he had eight scores between 90 and 99. He did only dipped below 80 in three matches. And nothing was below 74 in that format. While Supercoach... Eight tons, a little bit better ceiling there, three over 120, but not as many 90-odd scores. He had six between 90 and 99. He had just the two scores below 80 and nothing beneath 73. And while, again, fantastic year, reasonable amount of hundreds, I think what people were looking for is what he gave us the year before when he scored 14 tons in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. Seven of them were over over 120, and he had just three scores under 89 all year. While in Supercoach, the year before this one, um, he had 13 tons, six over 120, and in his opening 12 games of the year that year, he had just the one score below 98. We've now got really... Three seasons of data, maybe four, to suggest that he's a pretty safe mid to high 90s, right into the early 100s premium defender. And if you want to, you can lock him in and just build your back line around him if that's the way you like to play the game. 
Well, yeah, fair enough. But let's get to the crunch of it, okay? What happened last year that wasn't there in 2018, MJ? You're a Crow supporter. You'll know the answer. Uh, there, there was one big missing piece of the puzzle from uh, 2018, and that was one Brody Smith. 100%. So I, I know that we talk about this all the time, but Brody Smith had to impact on, you know, the average of the players in the back line. So the fact of the matter is, he uses the ball so well, the mm. Crows want him to have the ball in hand and use it by foot as much as possible. Even to the point where he was pushed up into the midfield. Yeah. See, what happened then, okay, was Malera went back, or what, Millera, Millera or yeah. however you want to pronounce it, went back as well and played a bit. So really, what we see is that Laird, very, very consistent, always is consistent, but he lost his ceiling. Yeah. So instead of averaging 100 plus because he had a few, you know, those 120, 130 scores from the year before, he's still consistently hitting those marks, but he just wasn't getting higher than about 100, 110. Yeah, <coughs> no, exactly, exactly right. You know, to average in the high 90s and average, you know, 100 in only one in three games across the formats, you're right, highlights that nice high-scoring basement or floor for us there. But the aim of the game is to get as many points on the board as quickly as you can. The way you're going to set your season up for success, yes, you can ch- chase people down. But really, it's by the time you get out of the multi-buy rounds, you've got a pretty good indication whether or not you're in contention or not. That's that's the first real chance to go, yeah, I'm, I'm a dead set chance here. And while Led's consistency and durability, because he's only missed, I, I think it's only, what, two games in three years, um, is certainly there. What we did see, you're right, is Miller, Smith, so many good ball users off that back half the Crows want to get their hands to. He just lands into third place, and we lost some ceiling because of it. Yeah, 100%. So my only question is, of course he's relevant. He's always he's going to be in the majority of teams come the end of the year. So he's just a consistent 95 to 105 guy across the back line. But without that ceiling, will he hurt you? And that's a big Not thing, isn't it? it? It is those guys that, you know, Isaac Heaney, we did a similar conversation around him from a forward line perspective just, you know, a couple of weeks ago on the 50 Most Relevant. These guys that are durable, consistent, do have a ceiling, not as frequently as others. But when you're looking at other defenders like a Bashel Hooley, who's been in the 50 most relevant, a James Sicily can really get on a run, a Zach Williams early on, maybe a Jake Lloyd, you know, we'll see in these next few in the 50 most relevant. They have such an incredible ceiling that can destroy you. And while the consistency is great, you need those big scores to separate you from the pack a little bit. Yeah, 100%. And see, the other thing that we lost as well with Adelaide was, like, they were pretty disappointing, really, for this whole season. Yeah. So we didn't get that chip and kick and chip and kick and chip and kick that Rory Led loves. Yeah. So the reality of the situation is new coach, Brody Smith, Wayne Miller. Yep. Like, it's just, it, there's just a lot of um, reasons why I actually think he's very, very you know, attacking to take on in this, like, to start with. Yeah, no, I but, totally agree. But at the end of the year, everyone's going to have him 100% guaranteed. Yeah. So so I just think, yeah, so MJ, as a Crows supporter, yes. what do you reckon Nick's is going to do? Is he going to make it run and gun and 
go move the ball quick and everything else? Or how do you see it? Well, everything that you seem to be getting out of Adelaide and was very evident when he was at Port Adelaide and also at GWS was that thriving on the contest was that really big, strong part. And anyone that's watched Adelaide over the past few years will know they've really struggled in that part of the game. Um, and as well as their two-way defensive work. Adelaide have really just been pulled apart through the midfield because of that. However, he does say he wants to play a fast and attractive brand of footy. What that means from a fantasy perspective, time's going to tell. Do they play Smith up on the wing? Miller loves to be off the halfback flank, but they want him in the midfield too. So we're just going to have to keep him as a watch list candidate to see how Adelaide structure up and what are some of those game styles we we see under Matthew Nix. Because I agree. I think he's someone that in your completed side, you're going to want him. Whether it's because you want the safety net, rightly or wrongly, as a starting squad candidate, or you, you time the run right and pick him up during the year. At the end of the year, you're going to have him. So the other question, though, is Bryce Gibbs. How much impact will Bryce Gibbs have playing off half-back? Well, that's exactly right. They're apparently wanting to get him into the half-back line. They love, you know, Bryce, when he's in space and time, is generally a pretty good user of the ball. There's only so many of these players to go around. I don't see Rory Led moving to being a negating lockdown defender. That's what Kelly is there for. That's what Brown is there for. But... Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see how these four guys, they want to keep them strong off the half-back. There's only so much ball going around for four blokes. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to watch, isn't it? Yeah, no, it certainly will be. And the strategy of how coaches approach the game will, will be interesting because you've got guys like Rory Led. You could probably put a you know, a Caleb Daniel, who we had earlier in the 50 Most Relevant, who have a ceiling but not massive frequency of ceiling. Do coaches choose them? Conservative might not be the right way, but the more consistent options and build their defensive unit around, or do they go a Williams type or a Sicily who they share the multi-buy round with and go, look, I, I, I know I'll cop a couple of 70s and 80s along the way, but I'll get one more 130s and 140s, so maybe I'll go there. What coaches do will be very interesting to watch. Yeah, 100%. Considering that Lloyd and Doherty are going to be very high-owned mm. like percentage-wise, so... So that third option is going to be a real, real interesting pick. Yeah, no, it'll be fascinating to see. Like we've said, by the end of your year, you're probably going to want Rory Lead in your side because I don't think there's going to be much deviation from what we've seen from a scoring perspective this year. I think he's right around that mid-90s marker. I don't forecast a drastic increase coming from him. But again, we haven't seen the Crows game style under Matthew Nix, so you need to you know, kind of hold off on some judgment. But by the end of the year... You're going to want him. Let's talk yep. about... And so yep. one more thing, though. Just Let's just quickly have a look at the format, okay? I think Supercoach is the place where he's least likely to... You know, you don't need to really start him in Supercoach. Yep. I think there's other options there. And at the end of the day, I'm even questioning whether you need him at the end of the year in Supercoach. So, but Dream Team and AFL Fantasy, if you are going to start him, I think... I think they're the places you do start in, but you will probably be wanting to bring him in, you know, around the bye, just after the bye. Yeah, just one of your final defensive upgrades. Yeah, I, yeah, I th- pretty much. Yeah, I think he's a pretty good option. And what I'm really fascinated about is where he goes in drafts this year. Um, it, it's a pretty popular trend that we're seeing a few people p- pinch some defenders off. Maybe not so much in the first round this year. It's more the forward, um, you know, of a Lockie Whitfield, Jake Lloyd, if anything. 
is the only defender that's really worth considering in the opening round. But Laird, I'm seeing a lot, you know, as a late second round, early third round selection. Is that about the place you'd be happy to get Rory Laird? I'd actually, uh, look, I mean, in the drafts, I would be looking at trying to, I know this is mad, but I'd have Crispin Williams ahead of Laird in my priority list. Sure. So, but I don't think many would. Yeah. So as long as Laird is there, I think that Williams and Crisp and those types will That's be safe. still there. Yeah. So, yeah, so I'd actually be really willing to take him on and try and let it drift, you know, to a point. But I'd say about second to third round, yeah. Yeah, I can see coaches. Early second is just a little bit of too much of a stretch for me. But for those of us that, you know, have had an early first round selection and getting a late second... Maybe you could have locked yourself a Grundy or a Whitfield or a McRae to be able to go and get a Rory Laird as your second or third selection. Yeah, it's a pretty nice start to your draft, I think. Yeah, I think so. Because, look, there's going to be a lot of those young kids in the midfield that you're going to be looking at through the year, you know, that will probably slide a little bit. Yep. Taranto, McRae, uh, not McRae, um, Dunkley, mm-hmm. Oliver, you know, all those sorts. Like, they will probably slide a little bit. So, so yeah, so... Late second, early third would be about the right place for me. All right. Seems like we're in a pretty similar position on what we're going to do with him. Mate, appreciate your thoughts today on Rory Laird. That sounds easy, mate. Too easy. Yeah, exactly right. If you want to go check out the article on Rory or any of the other players in the 50 most relevant, it is online now for you at coachespanel.tv. If you're loving what you've got from the Coaches Panel this preseason so far, then jump on over and become a part of the Patreon army. Support the Coaches Panel and get exclusive content and early access content to a whole stack of other things. We get deeper into the 50 most relevant. The number nine player is revealed tomorrow, and it's one of my personal favorites.